10th chapter, Matthew chapter 10. Amen. Sometimes in a series, it, it seems like I get stuck on a, on a verse or a passage or a set of verses. And, and um, I, I kind of started feeling that way on these and just really seeking the Lord about it this morning. And, and I really feel like he's breathing on this right now. And so we're going to spend uh, a little more time here. And um, I want you to uh, really plug in tonight, get the Holy Spirit. Uh, amen. He's going to help us and going to plug in and, and receive what it is that Father's saying to us in, in these uh, verses. Amen. Praise God. Now, Jesus said this. Well, I know I got you in Matthew 10. Jesus said that if you're not with him, you're against him. And if you're not helping to gather in, then you're helping to, to scatter and push further away. We don't, we don't like absolutes in our world. We, we, we love to find the, the middle ground, the middle size, the, you know, we, um, I learned in my Chick-fil-A days, you know, that most people want the medium, and so, you know, they structure the medium to be the most profitable, you know. It's like, well, don't give me the small, don't give me the large, give me some, somewhere in the middle, right? And so we love middle ground. We love gray areas. We, we, we you know, that's where the devil makes his living, in, the, in those shadows, and and you got to understand something about the truth, right? The truth's the truth. It's, it's absolute. And um, so when Jesus makes a statement, if you're, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not helping me bring in, you're, you're, you're part of the problem. You're, you're, you're scattering and dispersing. Um, we need to listen to him. Amen. You're not the exception to this. I'm not the exception to this. And, um, but thank God tonight we're, we're with him. Amen. We're, we're standing with him. We're... We're seeking Him and we're seeking what He asked for us. All right. Now, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before me in Him, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before me in Him, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring, bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He's quoting, by the way, from the prophet Micah there, uh, the seventh chapter, but we won't turn back to Micah to look at that. But um, that's, again, Jesus fulfilling a prophecy here. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Amen. Now, Jesus is not telling us here that we shouldn't love our families, but he's talking about, um, you know, things and people that we put ahead of him that we love them more than we love him. And he's not just talking about some emotion in the heart, although that is a factor in this. Jesus used the word um, philo or, or philon here, which is speaking of an affectionate kind of love in one's heart. But the, the heart of what he's saying, though, the, the, the guts of what he's saying here is that 
we choose them over Him. We, we allow their opinions, their traditions um, to take precedent over Him and His ways. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, God may have a plan for your life and, 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 uh, and your family may have another plan for your life, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, in, in, in their days, way more than in our society today, in their day, it was almost unheard of that you went against um, your, uh, your family. I don't, I don't know if you, if you uh, saw the interview with uh, Alabama's quarterback, Tua Tunga Viola, it's a hard, hard name to say, right? Um, but they asked him why he chose Alabama, and he looked at him kind of stunned. He says, I didn't choose Alabama. He said, uh, my dad chose this for me. Right? You know? And, there, and Kirk Herbstreit was doing the interview, and he kind of laughed like he was joking. And he realized he wasn't joking. He said, well, say that again. He said, he said, no, he said, in my culture, he said, family's everything. Family's everything. He says, and, and honoring your mother and your father is, is like the highest thing a child can aspire to. He said, so whatever college my dad picked for me, that's the one I went to. He said, my dad chose Alabama for me. But see, we, we're like, you know, blow me down, call me shorty. What in the world is that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, it seems so foreign. But, but again, that, this would be the kind of mindset that Jesus is, is, is speaking to here. Um, you know, where, you know, someone, let's say they were at one of, you know, spent the night with some friends and, and, uh, uh, I never forget. I spent the night with some friends when I was a kid, and they and they took us to see Smokey and the Bandit. And oh my gosh! I knew I was going to hell, Aaron. I mean, I just I had never heard language like that in my life. You know what I'm saying? And uh, of course, mom and daddy were not really happy about that when they found out that I had went to see Smokey and the Bandit. And um, I kind of felt guilty because I saw the previews of the movie, and I really wanted to see it. You know, but so I wasn't like. I wasn't like resisting when I went with them, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, so let's just imagine somebody spent the night with somebody and, and their parents went to Jesus' meeting out on the hillside and all of a sudden they got healed, you know, and now they come home and try to tell their mama, well, I went out there and saw Jesus and he healed me, right? And they're like freaking out. And, and, and I'm telling you, these kinds of things happened. It, it, it absolutely happened. And, and so when Jesus says, you know, I've, I've come to bring a sword. There's, there's, you know, you, know you, you have to respond to me one way or the other. Indifference is not an option. And uh, for one member of the family to go with Jesus, to stand with him, while other members, you know, do not, obviously is what Jesus is talking about here. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but when he says, um, is not worthy of me, he used that phrase a couple of three times there is not worthy of me, is not worthy of me. Um, he's, he's literally saying is, is not deserving, is not deserving of me. Now, let's, um, there's a few things I want to make sure I get said tonight. So let me, let me just go ahead and get to that part, and then we'll come back and see what we have time for at the end, okay? Um, there's a tie-in here that I, that I want to make sure we make, okay? And um, I guess it was maybe three weeks ago now we looked at the parables where Jesus taught about um, the man who went and hired uh, laborers first in the morning and then throughout the day. And then a couple of chapters later, he, in Matthew, he, he told another parable about a man who's, who was a king and his son was getting married. And, and um, they invited a bunch of you know, prominent people to the wedding and nobody showed up. And, 
And, um, and so he just went and compelled a bunch of people to come. And so he tells these two parables, he tells these two stories. And, and in both of those stories, the, the conclusion is many are called, but few are chosen. Okay. Now, we are the ecclesia. Okay. And, and, and I didn't sneeze. That's um, ecclesia. No, that's not. Okay. All right. So, um, by the way, for those of you here at the memorial service today, that was me. If y'all didn't know what that loud, crazy sound was, I left my microphone on and then like blew my nose. It was, it was rough. Let me, yeah, let me try to show you what it sounded like. No, I'm kidding. All right. So, um, yeah, it was rough. Amen. It was rough. So praise God. Uh, not as bad as the night that I left the microphone on and was just singing like I was in the shower down here in the front row, just, you know, with the praise team. So, but <laughs> praise God. <laughs> Amen. All right. So, so the Ecclesia, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A, that's a word for the church. And, and, and what he's saying is that literally means the called out ones, the called out ones. So when we talk about being in the church, we are the ones who have been called out from the world. We've been separated from the world. Um, but as we said this morning, it's not just that we've been separated from the world, but we've been separated to God and, 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 and to his uh, purposes and intentions uh, for our lives. Now, he says many are called, but few are chosen. So those who are chosen are selected from those who are called. Now, I know this may be a little different way of looking at this verse, and you pray about it if you initially think I'm incorrect, but listen to me, please. In Revelation, when the Bible says that he stands at the door and he knocks, he's knocking on the door of the ecclesia. He's knocking on the door of the called out ones. He's knocking on the door of the church, wanting to know, first of all, if anybody who's in the church wants to have some quality time with him. It's so easy for us in the church to get so caught up in what it means to be in the local church that we can lose sight of what it's all really about in the first place and that's fellowshipping with God that's that's having you know communion uh, with him we're not here tonight because we feel guilty if we don't come to church on a Sunday night, right? We're here tonight because Father wants to meet with us here. He wants to, he wants to come and, and, and dwell in our praises and, and have fellowship and interaction and engagement with us. That's ultimately what church is about. Amen. Thank God for programs. We could probably use a few more around here. But, but it's, as we said from day one at Heritage, amen, it's not ever going to be about the program more than the presence of God. It's His presence, right? So just think about it for a moment, right? He says, many are called, few are chosen. Those who were chosen, according to those parables, were the individuals who were willing to accept a relationship with Jesus on His terms, on His conditions. Uh, in other words, not that they chose Him, but recognizing, hey, you chose me, and, and you sent me to work, and I didn't even ask you what you was going to pay me. I just thank, thankful that I had a job, and I trusted you to take care of me, right? It was that kind of attitude. It was that kind of heart, right? So remember, we stitched that together with John 15, where Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore, speaking to His inner circle of, of disciples. He says, but I, I, in other words, I don't call you servants anymore. I now call you friends. So there was a point where they, they were in this 
category of servants, but now they have shifted over into this category of chosen, this category of, 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 of philos, this category of a friend. Amen. Amen. So I'm offering to you tonight that that, that that is exactly what Father is looking for in the church. Amen. It, to, to really simplify this, if, if you could think of it this way, and we talked a little bit about this in, in, in the Ephesians class this morning, but you, you can have a lot of acquaintances, but then there are some people that you are much closer to than other people. And really what that boils down to is that that person has been willing to share their life with you, and you've been willing to respond by sharing your life with them. And, and that, that's what communion really is. Amen. And, and so when one person is willing to share their life with another person and that person is willing to respond by sharing their life back with that person, then this is how people become very close. Amen. Appreciate what everybody had to say today, but Brother Ronnie Croswell, you touched my heart, man. Just talking about your friendship with, um, with, with Lonnie and, and Brother, how you helped him, man. How you taught him about the, you know, the benefits that were available to him as a veteran and and uh, man, I mean, brother, gosh, you, you know, all the treatment, all the, the things that he really didn't have a lot of understanding about, it's, it, it, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, really. And, and, um, but it, it, was more than, it was more than all of that. Um, and now you guys went to church for a long time, but it was, it was, it was the time that you spent driving him to the, to the VA, driving him home. In other words, you started sharing your life more with him than you ever had before. He started sharing his life with you more than you ever had before. And, and it created a bond there. It created a, a closeness, you, you know, that, um, that you don't have with every person in this room or every person in this church. And, but again, it goes back to the willingness to, to open up um, Brother Donald Bowden and I have been having a conversation here lately about giving place and, and, and how we've got to give God place in our lives. And so Ronnie and Lonnie gave one another place in, 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 in their lives for one another and, and it created a much closer relationship. Amen. Now, if you understand that concept, I want you to apply it then to all the folks that are, that are in the church, and I don't just mean in this church, I mean the body of Christ around the world, right? From those called out ones, Father is looking for people who will submit to a relationship with Him on His terms. People who will, are willing to, to give Him place in their lives. People who are willing to put Him first in their lives. People who are willing to make a, prior, a relationship with Him a priority in their lives. People who are willing not just to talk the talk, but to walk the walk. To literally, um, you know, uh, delight themselves in Him. Take pleasure in in, 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 a, in a relationship with Him, spend quality time with Him, not, not just on Sundays. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying here? This is the, I think this is the heart of, of, of these verses when He says, you know, if, 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 you love, if you love this person more than me or if you love this thing more than me, you're not worthy of me. Now, let me, let me get back up here because, hey amen, I'm trying to strike the right balance between just sharing what's on my heart but also things the Lord's already prompted me concerning that I've, I've put in, in the notes here. So let me, um, maybe it's, maybe let, let's, let me give you this, um, this tidbit before I go any further, okay? 
um, perhaps it's how I was raised, okay? Um, I, was, I was raised in church. Um, I was born again for a long, long time before I was confident, though, in my salvation. Am I the only one? Do you understand what I mean by that? Um, you know, and I think part of that had to do, too, with some of the scare tactics that, that different evangelists and preachers would use, you know, and so every time they'd talk about, you know, are you really saved? I'm like, well, gosh, why are we going to chance this? Let's just go get saved again, you know, and it's, it, it was that kind of thing. And so when I say confident in my, in my salvation, it really wasn't until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old that, that um, I quit trying to go back through that salvation door over and over and over again. But I believe the Holy Spirit, and so just go with me, and I want to make sure you understand where I'm coming from on this, but, but I believe the Holy Spirit really just laid this on my heart. And it was not just that, that this has to do with, with me personally, but that it has to do with a whole bunch of us. And, and that is, when it comes to verses like this, we, we go through them with a fine-tooth comb. We, we, we scrutinize every word because, you know... We, we want to make sure that there's not some T that we haven't crossed or some I that we haven't dotted here that, that might equal us not being saved. That, that, that you know, it, it may mean then that, that we're really not saved and we're, and, and, and we're not uh, going to go to heaven when we die and, and this kind of thing. And so there's, I think, this almost obsession with a lot of people um, in, in, in trying to uh, make sure that we have... Uh, you know, every little, the, the Bible called it jot and tittle, amen, and, and, and this is talking about like the different accent marks and the punctuation marks, in other words, to make sure that, that we've, we've kind of got it all, um, you know, perfected. Um, Jesus spoke to this, John chapter 5, verse 39, he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. So what he was talking about here, again, was people who just literally just go through the Bible, you know, uh, to, 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 to find what they must do. How about this, Luke 18 and 18. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do? One translation says, What must I do to inherit eternal life? You've heard me say this before. It's, it's, you know, picture him with, a, with a, a notepad in one hand, a pen in the other. He's wanting Jesus to give him a list to check off. He's wanting, he's wanting Jesus to, to tell him, nail it down once and for all. You know, that you step one, do this. Step two, do that. Step three, step four. And, and I don't think this guy cared how many steps. If it was 50 steps. Just tell me what it is that I have to do. So I'll make sure I'm ready, make sure I'm right, make sure that I'm going to heaven when I die, this, this kind of mindset. And, and, and so again, Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think that somehow in them you can unlock some magic formula that will produce eternal life in you and you've missed that these scriptures are all pointing to me. He said, these scriptures are all, are, they're all pointing to Jesus. He says, but that's your problem. You're not willing to come to me that you may have life. See, he's not talking about some... I have no idea what that is. 
Never heard that before. No, I'm kidding. Amen. All right. So, whoever called it Morris Code, did you ever think it was Morris Code instead of Morse Code? It kind of sounded like Morris Code there, didn't it? No, Morse Code. Amen. All right. Praise God. Man, that is... Greg, you've sat behind that soundboard for almost 20 years. It was behind you? You don't know what it was? Amen. People that are watching this on video are like, what in the world? I don't know if they heard that or not. But anyway, praise God. Oh, amen. Let's just go home. No, I'm kidding. Amen. All right, let me try to get back focused here. So the idea is that, that they're, they're missing that it's not about perfectly checking off a bunch of boxes, but it's in fellowship. It's, it's, it's in knowing. It's, it's in relationship. It's, it's, it's found in walking together with the Lord. All right, now let, let's... That's... He talked about, he said it this way, the Apostle Paul said it this way, he said the the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Do you you remember what Jesus said? He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, right, you you can never be saved. Well, the the disciples, you know, you have to understand the esteem that they held those Pharisees in. I mean, they're, they're thinking that they're like righteousness, you know, on a stick covered in chocolate. I mean, they're like, these men are the most righteous people that ever lived. And so when Jesus points to one of them and says, I mean, these guys had these phylacteries hanging from their heads with scriptures like dangling in front of their eyes because the Bible says, keep the scriptures before your eyes. I mean, that's, you know, they were like this sight to behold when they come swooping down through a crowd. And, and so Jesus points to them and he says, unless you're more righteous than one of them, you'll never enter the kingdom. And they're like, oh, we might as well quit now. Okay. Now, of course, what Jesus was, was alluding to and what we know now is that He's going to give us His righteousness as a gift and we're going to have to submit to righteousness instead of trying to impress other people with being, about being how righteous we are and make them think we're right. Are you following what I'm saying? So we know now that that's what He was referring to. So let's come back to this. Because if you read this and you think, well, gosh, I love my mama. I love, I love my wife. I, you know, I love my... By the way, happy birthday, Jake. Jake's birthday today, my son-in-law. You know what I'm saying? I love him. I love spending time with him. Are you understand what I'm saying? And so you think, well, gosh, am I not saved? Am I not? Again, you're, Jesus is trying to make a point here. He's not trying to give you some letter, uh, some, some checkbox to, you know, you need to work on your, uh, you know, Matthew 10 badge. You know, if you're going to be... No, that's not what he's saying. He's, he's wanting you to, to understand what's coming from his heart when he says this. And how the enemy would try to, to use things and other people to uh, pull us away from his highest and best for our lives. I said this this morning, I'll say it again, right? We're so focused on what's going to happen when we die that we're missing what could be and should be happening while we live. 
One of the mistakes we make is we try to understand this passage by only applying it to heaven or hell when we die. Or what is Jesus going to say when we stand before Him one day at the end of our lives? Jesus is not talking about some one and done confession of Him. He's talking about a living, vital communion and fellowship with Him where we are in Him and He is in us and we are acknowledging that every day, every moment of our lives. He didn't say at at the end, past tense, looking back, those who loved others more than me. He said those who, who loves Present tense, ongoing. He didn't say, looking back, you did not take up your cross. He said the one who does not, does not. Pay close attention. See, see, we think, well, you know, what does that mean? I mean, if it's, let, let me say it another way. If your salvation is based upon taking up your cross, like, is it, is it 51% of the time you take it up, that's enough to be saved? He's not talking about salvation by works here. He's not talking about something that, that, that has to take place or you're going to bust hell wide open. That's not what he's saying. We're saved by grace. But there's so many people who've been saved by grace that are still uh, existing with a servant's mentality, not a friend's mentality. They're still on the level of, of just trying to serve God enough to get Him to help them and do something for them and without ever understanding that an invitation has been extended to them by their Father, by their Creator to come and be one with Him, to, to come and experience Him and, and enjoy Him and, 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 and enjoy uh, the, the kind of fellowship uh, with God that Jesus enjoys with the Father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, let's do this, okay? I'm trying to get past this one verse, but we're just kind of getting, getting here, so we're going to stay here, okay? Let me go to verse 32 one more time. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men... Him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That word confess there is is speaking of acknowledging. Let me give you another word. Recognizing. We've we've already spent a lot of time on this, but, but let me give it to you from the Amplified. Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before men and confesses me out of a state of oneness with me. I will also acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven and confess that I am abiding in him. Jesus is not trying to give you some strict criteria that you must adhere to in order to be saved. He's instead trying to give you a frame of reference or, or a context for the kind of relationship that He wants to have with you and, and for the things that you and, uh, and I are to aspire to, 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 to focus on uh, on a daily basis. Let me, let me try to help me, Holy Spirit. Praise God. 
All right, Jesus, let's do it this way. Jesus is our mediator, our advocate, our representative in heaven before the Father. Am I right about this? Okay. So that means that he is right now pleading our case before the Father. Hebrews says it this way. He ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. Okay? All right. So what if, what if, instead of looking at these verses as uh, I confessed Jesus when I was five years old, Okay. What if we instead looked at it in an ongoing present tense sense? Have my actions ever denied Him in the last 46 years? You better know they have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, how, how are we to wrap our hearts around this. In other words, what, what do you think he's trying to say to us here? Let me offer you this suggestion. He is interceding for you on an ongoing basis. I don't fully understand all of this, but rest assured, he would not be doing it if it were not important or necessary. So because He is interceding for you and me, representing you right now, right now before Father God, Jesus is pleading, or let me say it another way, He is trying to plead your case before the Father right now. And I believe right now your attitude towards Him has everything to do with His ability to plead your case for you. The, the Passion Translation says it this way, If you openly and publicly acknowledge me, I will freely and openly acknowledge you before my Heavenly Father. See, again, because we're so programmed to think that this is speaking of heaven or hell, judgment day, that one day we're going to stand in line, we're going to, Jesus, next, next, we're going to walk up there, and Jesus is going to say, let me say, yeah, yeah, right here, right here, back in, uh, uh, it, let's see, it looks like, yeah, 1972. Somebody double check my records. He confessed me. Okay, come on in, son. Well, well done, by the way. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Good and faithful. Yeah. Okay, go, go. See, we, that's not that's not how that's not what Jesus has in mind right here. This is not what he's trying to communicate to us right here. He's talking about an ongoing acknowledgement. He's talking about you and me coming into a greater understanding every day of our lives of the oneness that we have with Him, acknowledging that oneness, waking up in the morning realizing I'm one with Him. We're doing this thing called life together. I'm putting him first above all else in my life because I guarantee you if I put him ahead of Pam, Pam will be more blessed than any woman on planet earth, right? Are you seeing what I'm saying here? But if I go putting other things and other people and other relationships, but you know, make them more important in what I've just done is see, I've 
I'm not worthy of his, of his ability to represent and plead my case in heaven. Doesn't mean I'm going to hell. Doesn't mean I'm not saved. Doesn't mean he doesn't love me. Doesn't mean any of that other stuff. It just means I've given him a place in my life that other people are still figuring out. This is not, I'm not, listen, I'm not taking a shot at anybody who's not here tonight. Everybody's got their own life, makes their own choices, and I'm nobody's judge. But you have given him place in your life tonight that other people had an opportunity to give to him, but chose not to. Now, it's not about him choosing favorites. Please, it's not like, well, okay, you're coming to church. I guess I'm going to help them. No, no, it's not, see, it's, that's not it. It all comes back to fellowship. It all comes back to what we were talking about a moment ago with Ronnie and Lonnie. They decided to give place to one another. He's been trying to get a place of, of prominence in your life so that he could help you uh, and, 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 and show you and teach you and train you for years and years and years. It's just some of us are just now finally getting around to responding to him and, and, and giving him that place. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus was not talking about a one-time acknowledgement of our oneness with him. That may be enough to receive the new birth, but it is not enough to walk in the fullness of all that is now ours. We think so much in terms of eternal destination and so little in terms of our daily victory and quality of life. Here's a couple of questions you are liable to hear a few more times before we move on to some other stuff, but... I think it really does come down to something like this. Do you want him or do you just want his help and his stuff? Do you want him today, right now, more than anything or anyone else, or do you just want him to keep you from going to hell one day when you die? Amen. Amen. One last verse and then we'll pray. John 12, 42 and 43 again. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I'm not saying that he won't do it, but boy, that sure does make it hard for Jesus to plead their case, doesn't it? <laughs> That's sure. Man, you know. Jesus didn't say anything about how much you knew, how good you've been. Matter of fact, in that, in that parable about the king and the wedding feast, he said, go call them good and bad. Amen. He didn't say anything about how good you've been, how bad you've been, how much you know, how many Bible verses you've memorized, how many years you've been in church, 
how many times you've read the Bible cover to cover. He didn't say any of that. None of that. Notice that the sole criteria that he focused on was you giving him a place of priority and prominence in your life where you want him more than and take pleasure in him more than anything or anybody else. Man, that centurion, he, he wasn't just being falsely humble when he says, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. This was a pretty rough man if you understand what centurions did for a living. Did Jesus not heal his servant because of that man's faith? See, the attitude of his heart towards Jesus made it very easy for Jesus to plead his case to the Father. Right? He wasn't trying to hide anything. He wasn't trying to pretend he was something that he wasn't. He wasn't trying to put on like he was better than anybody else. But he recognized Jesus as a man under authority, as a man of authority. He said, I too am a man under authority. I too am a man of authority. And all you have to do, sir, is speak the word. Compare that to Jesus is in a house and there's a bunch of religious leaders there and the Bible says that the power of God was present to heal them. This was the day that God the Father wanted to get busy because remember, every work Jesus did, it, His Father was doing those works through Him. Did the attitude of people towards Jesus affect Father's ability to work in their life through Jesus? Absolutely. Absolutely. The power of God was present to heal those religious leaders. This was the day that God the Father had circled on the calendar. We're going to see some breakthrough in these stubborn men's hearts. We, we're going to do some miracles in their lives. We're going to take care of, of some of that high blood pressure. We're going to take care of some of that rheumatoid arthritis. We're going to take care of, of, of some of uh, those uh, skin conditions. We, we're going to take care of some of them bad hips and, and bum knees. We, in order, it was fixing to be like an unleashing of the healing power of God on the religious establishment like had never been seen on planet earth. They refused. Then you got these guys who were trying to get their sick buddy there. No, no telling how long they carried him, how far they carried him. Couldn't get him through the door, couldn't get him through the window. So they climbed up on the roof, tore a section of the roof off and, and let their friend down. Are you seeing this, right? Their attitude was one that made it easy for God the Father to work through Jesus on, the, on that man's behalf. Do you see the difference here? Now, Jesus is still representing us for the Father to work on our behalf. And if we think our attitude towards Him does not make it easier, if our attitude's right, for Him to plead our case, or more difficult, if not impossible, for him to plead our case, then, then we're, we're, we've missed the spirit of what Jesus is trying to say here because we can't see past the letter. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this? Thank you, Jesus. Father, teach us to give you place. Teach us to give you the highest place.
Jesus, you didn't say we had to be perfect to be worthy of you. You didn't say that we had to, 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 to be rich uh, to be worthy of you. You didn't say that we had to, 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 to know a bunch of stuff to be worthy of you. You just said that we had to give you the, pro- the right place. We had to recognize you for, for, for who you are and, 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 and the value um, uh, of, of your coming to this earth and the gift that you are to us. And, and that would make us worthy to receive you. Father, I thank you that, um, that our ongoing response and attitude towards Jesus is one that makes it very easy for him to plead our case before you and very easy for you to work on our behalf through him. Father, many call for you are chosen. Thank you for the chosen that are in this room tonight, Lord. Thank you for the place that they've given, not just you, Lord. Thank you for the place that they've given other men and women in their lives, Lord. Godly men and women who, who are now able to help and to speak and to, to bless and to encourage and even correct, Father. Where correction is needed. Father, this time of year, there's a thousand other places that, that, that we could have all been tonight. But Lord, we're here because, Father, we want something more than, than, than just the average status quo religious traditions, Father. We, we want the life and abundance that, that Jesus paid such a high price for us to have. Father, we bless your name tonight. We go in peace, letting our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify you in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. I know it's been a long day for a lot of us, but um, be blessed. Be blessed. Have a beautiful week. Remember the youth Christmas party tomorrow night. It's class and service Wednesday night. Um, Lots of good things happening this week. You be blessed.